Let us stand. Take these hands and lift them up, for I have not the strength to praise you near enough. See, I have nothing. I have nothing without you. Take my voice voice and pour it out let it sing a song of mercy I have found for I have nothing sing I have nothing without you and all my soul Take my body and lift it up. Take my body and lift it up. May it be broken as an offering, love. For I have nothing. I have nothing without. if you come say all my soul needs is all your love to cover me so we'll see that I Ah! 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. It's, a, it's amazing when you know how little you really are without him. But with him, we can do all things. Amen. We can come to church, worship him in spirit and in truth. Receive from him, which is, I hope that's what we're all here for. Because that's what I need today. You know, I don't know what the end of the day holds. Maybe I won't see the end of today. But I do want to hear from him and see from him today. Amen. I love you. I love the Lord. Amen. And if you don't invest right, it's all going to burn and melt with a fervent heat. The only thing that will stand, the word of God will never pass away. Amen. If you have a request upon your heart today, that's my desire. I mean, this old world, you know, I'm trying to occupy and pay this and do that and live peaceably with all men. But I have a goal in mind, a purpose in my life, and it's not in this, this side. It's on the other side. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I love you this morning. Lord, and many times the investment takes time to pay off. But Lord, you give dividends every day. Lord, you give us that joy and peace that passes all understanding, Father. You give us that comfort in knowing, Lord, that all things are in your control. We submit ourselves to you today. Lord, we may not receive all the dividends that we want today, but there is a check for each and every one of us today, a spiritual encouragement, a spiritual investment with a return. And I praise you this morning, Father. Lord, I pray that you bless these people, bless the musicians, song leaders, minister. We all know in our hearts, Lord, the greatest form of worship, the ministering of your word in spirit and in truth. We come, humble ourselves before you, Father, knowing we are nothing without you. I just pray that you have your way, that you have blessed the tithes and offerings. Father, you saw the uplifted hands, Lord. Father, you know what's behind that hand. I don't. And Lord, we see you doing miracles every day. Father, I thank you for my son. It's a miracle standing before me. And I thank you for that. Bless your tithes and offerings, Father. And Lord, we're praying for great things. We're not limiting ourselves, Father. You are a supernatural, infinite God, and nothing is impossible with you. I thank you and worship you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Once you turn and greet your brothers and sisters, amen, feel free to just walk around a little bit, amen, do something a little different, get the blood pumping a little bit, amen. Amen. Not just the person that's right behind you. Move back a couple rows and shake their hand. Say, God bless you. I love you. Amen. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship, one accord.
worshipers arise let's sing a little bit of it let's start with a chorus <clears throat> let the worshipers arise sons and
I think it's worth singing again. Oh, sing, let the worshipers arise. Oh, let the sons and daughters sing. I'm surrendering my all. Lord, surrender. Sister Chastity created a Christmas presentation that we would like to play for you at this time, amen. So. sin and we were separated from having that relationship with God. That's why Jesus had to come. God sent a baby to fix this big problem? The book explains. Before the first man and his wife sinned, there was no death or sickness. God had warned them the penalty for disobeying would be death. But instead of killing them instantly, God required an animal sacrifice. This was a symbol, but it didn't take really take away the people's sins. It just showed they were very sorry. Why didn't God just kill them? God loves us so much, he didn't want to do that. He also couldn't break his law. The man and woman had children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. Despite their best intentions, they continued to sin. They did... They were now born with the desires of sin. God sent special men called prophets who did many miracles to teach his chosen people how to please him. But because of sin, the people always failed. What kinds of miracles? God sent a great flood that saved one family with an ark. He said, plagues, an evil king, 
and separated a sea for his people to walk in the land. God told a prophet that he would send a savior for the whole world. His birth would be another great miracle, and God would be the father. So God got married? No, he he made the baby just like he had made a grown man before. First, God sent an angel to tell God named Mary that she would have God's son. The angel said with God, all things are possible. But Mary was engaged, and Joseph doubted she had met an angel. Yeah, I've never talked to an angel. Have you? No, but that would be awesome! God doesn't just use angels. He sent Joseph a dream. Mary went to her cousin Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth was very old. She had never had children before. God gave her a baby. Um, but it did not move like it was supposed to. When Mary told Elizabeth she was having Jesus, Elizabeth's baby finally kicked. When Mary returned home, she and Joseph were married. Then they had to go on a long journey. The ruler said everyone had to go home to be counted. When they finally reached Bethlehem, the city was crowded. I'm sorry, this is all I have. You can sleep in my savings for as long as you need. The only place that had room for them was a stable where they kept the animals. Even though it didn't look like much, something special would happen. God's son would be born right there. Wait a minute. God made everything and instead of a son being born in a castle, he was born in a stable? Yep, because God made, became human for everyone, not just the rich. To God in the highest. What was that? Angels announced Jesus was born. They told shepherds in a field that the Savior, Christ the Lord, was the newborn baby. More animals? God doesn't need money or jewels, but he will always have worshipers. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't get it. God had a son. What does that have to do with Adam and Eve and all the sinning? As God's son, Jesus was special. He never sinned. Later he died for everyone's sins and rose from the dead. Because Jesus came, we became we can be friends with God again. We're better than friends. We can ask Jesus into our hearts. We become God's family, just like Jesus. 
wow, I didn't know that it meant for Jesus to be God's son. Yeah, and the best part is that we are God's children too. If your parents love you and give you nice gifts, then God has even better gifts for his kids. I never knew God loved me so much. Can you, can you teach me how to ask Jesus in my heart? Yeah, we can! Sure. I wonder tonight, in this building, on this Christmas time, in commemoration of nearly 2,000 years ago, when God gave the first Christmas gift, I wonder tonight if you'd like to look on the inside of that package in Sea Center, that there isn't somebody in there who loves you, somebody who died for you, somebody gave their life for you, would you be willing tonight to take the swaddling's cloth off of him, that dirty cloth that they call him fanatic and holy roller? Wrap yourself in it and take the way with the Lord's despised few. If you're in the building tonight and like to be remembered in prayer, would you just raise your hand and say, On this Christmas night, I want to receive the Christmas gift of God. Lord, I'll take the way. I'll never see you set with dirty feet either. I'll never stand. I'll join up with them. I'll come right into the kingdom of God. I'll, I'll be one of them that's despised. Abide with me, Lord. Come go home with me tonight. I'll wash away all the dirt from your name. You wash away my sins, Lord. Let me live the life. Not the way I'm doing now. I'm dirty your... I'm dirtying you every day. Putting more upon you. Let me go tonight, Lord, and with my tears of repentance, I now come humbly at the foot of the cross to receive you as my Savior. Amen. We appreciate our sister for putting that together for us. <clears throat> Amen. Let's give her a hand. Amen. Amen. Sister Sarah, if you come, give us a song also this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's give Sister Sarah a hand. Amen. Jason was preaching last Sunday. He was talking about and petitions before the king. And it meant so much to me. And this song come on my heart. <clears throat> I hope it's a blessing.
And I've never been the same One night with the king Changes everything One night with the king Changes Praise the Lord. This song is, uh, it is a Christmas song, but it's also a song that 
means very much to me for a couple reasons. One is, of course, that uh, it's a warning that in the day and age we live in, um, we as the bride should be seeking out the oil for our lamps. And we shouldn't be sleeping during this time. And sometimes in the world that we live in, it's so easy to get comfortable and lulled to sleep. <clears throat> and uh, we don't want our fire to be dampened. Came up for prayer um, a couple weeks ago when Brother Matt was here and ministering. And just realized, have been realizing that my oil was getting low and uh, I, I got a refilling <clears throat> the other reason why is uh, this song <clears throat> my father-in-law sung it here years ago and <clears throat> so he's very special to us Down in history 
as a city with no room for its king while you were sleeping while you were sleeping United States of America Looks like another silent night As we're sung to sleep by philosophies To save the trees and kill the children And while we're lying in the dark heard across the eastern sky for the bridegroom has returned and has carried his bride away in the night in the night while you
Sister Amber and the family, they want us to give us a song this morning. Amen. So let's give them a hand. Amen.
my soul. My, ask Brother Anthony, how did you pull this off? <laughs> Praise God. Wonderful morning, beautiful day. God bless you. Happy to have you all here in the house of God. And um, got one prayer request we're going to take up for Sister Amy uh, King. And uh, Brother David wrote to me that uh, I got a little bit of an update from him. Uh, we were praying last night, and he says it, they've figured out it's a viral lung infection and an infection where she had the hip replacement. Um, but they have her stabilized, and he's thanking us for our prayers last night. And so we want to continue. I told him we'd keep praying for her this morning. So we'll catch that as we read our text. Amen. I want to thank everybody that made yesterday possible. My, what a wonderful time. Sister Debbie and I pulled away with smiling faces and smiling hearts. It just does us good to see all of our children. <laughs> Some of you are older than us, not many, but but uh, but uh, you're all like our kids, amen. We talk about that all the time. It's say that's a little weird. It is to us too, but it's how we feel. It's hard to hard to put into language, but but we just appreciate it. Done our heart, all the camaraderie and working together, and and uh, so many people had a hand in making all that possible. Um, I, I just was thrilled with it all, and I thought it all just went off wonderfully. I could have. My kept eating in fellowship, and I could have kept hearing singing, and we could have, you know, if I didn't have to work today, I'd have stayed around the campfire even longer. But I appreciate everybody who pitched in, and I uh, wanted to thank all the sisters for helping uh, pitch in for all that cleanup. And and I, you know, I rolled up my sleeves and jumped right in there and got all those men out of your way. So, <laughs> Amen. So no need to thank me. I just, uh, I just move the biggest obstacle. <clears throat> Amen. Want to remind everybody that um, we will um, be ha we will have a regular service this coming Wednesday. Actually, Brother Caleb Campbell is in the slot. Got a thought burning on his heart. I love it when a man of God has his fox's tail on fire and he wants to, Amen. Run run through the enemy's fields and burn up all of his crops. Amen. Praise the Lord. We will be in service here Wednesday. And then, of course, Sunday, <clears throat> December 25. Um, seems like in my mind, Caleb, where are you at? Wave at me. Uh, did we talk about moving the Wednesday to Tuesday? I don't remember. I can't remember if we've done that. I'll check with my people. I have my people get with your people. We might end up sending out an announcement. I can't remember what we did last year. I try to count on Sister Debbie for that. <clears throat> but uh, we'll figure that out. But anyway, we will have a midweek service. And then Sunday morning, don't forget, <clears throat> the, uh, there's, there's, there's no Sunday school classes. The regular service will start at 10 a.m. And we're going to kind of expedite things. And I know it's a big family day. And, but uh, I just think there's no better place to come than the house of God. Uh, you know, it only comes around once every seven years. So come on to the house of God. Bring your family and let's really appreciate the reason for the season. I, I'm so grateful, you know, to Brother Branham that you know, I was listening to that, um, that quote there at the end. Uh, Sister Chastity, by the way, that quote at the end, that, uh, that really got me. Amen. I was falling apart back there in the office and 
you know, I was just Brother Branham, you know, just living it out for me. And I had both my hands up saying, Lord, have mercy on me. But I, I appreciated Brother Branham's language. You know, I was, I was thinking yesterday as we were singing those songs and we're talking about Christmas morning, Christ, the night before Christmas and all this stuff. And of course, we know, we know that December the 25th is certainly not the birthday of the Lamb of God, by no means. Uh, but, but I'm glad that a prophet taught us a balance and that we know what the real reason is. And that so even when we say that, you know, we're, <clears throat> we're not like the heathen. We're not like the world. You know, we, we have a proper understanding when we talk about Christmas. And I'm just grateful for a prophet who could put all of that in perspective, put it in balance, say it the right way, put the right mindset in, in our minds. Amen. Praise the Lord. We'll try to get this in one position, Brother Brad. <clears throat> Amen. So I just wanted to say that and thank everybody. And then um, we got something planned for the end of the year on Saturday, the 31st, but we don't want to give you too many announcements at once. We've already announced it, but we'll remind you this coming weekend. Amen. Let's turn into Revelation chapter 10 this morning. Amen. And we're going to just uh, want to make sure we remember to pray for Sister Amy and Brother Doug and Sister Chastity. Um, who are driving um, up to uh, Virginia today. They had to leave out early today. <clears throat> and so, we're ha God bless you, young man. Happy to have you here with us this morning. Happy to have any other visitors. My goodness, I, am, am my eyes deceiving? Do I have an army ranger in the house today? <laughs> Praise the Lord, Brother Noah. Good to see you, man. Praise God. You look, look fine and fit, as I would expect. Amen. Happy to have you here today. Praise the Lord. God bless you. All the other different ones. Amen. And there's probably, if there's visitors and I'm missing you, just excuse me because I do that all the time. Amen. Praise the Lord. Revelation chapter 10, super familiar to us. You pray for me, will you please? Um, I, I have, um, you know, I don't want to say a lot on my plate as if to alarm you that I'm going to do like I did last week and preach a really long time. <laughs> That was an anomaly. I don't normally do that, but, and so I don't, it's not that, but I, I have a very large thought that I'm trying to get my mind fully around because I don't want to leave off anything. And I'm continuing today. This will be part three on modern events of 2022 made clear in prophecy. This will be part three and. Maybe today we'll finish it. <clears throat> we don't, don't know for sure. But uh, even if I get to the end of my notes, I don't know for sure. It's just up to the Lord. Amen. Revelation chapter 10 <clears throat> and verse 1. And I was going to, um, well, we'll just, we'll just read these seven, first seven verses. That's very familiar <clears throat> to us. Excuse me. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with the cloud and a rainbow was upon his head and his face was as it were the sun and his feet as pillars of fire and he had in his hand a little book open and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth and when he had cried seven thunders uttered their voices when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. 
And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants, the prophets. Now, the way that a mystery of God gets finished is it materializes. It goes from, it goes from a prophecy that was given to a prophet who spoke it, a chronicler who wrote it in a book, but then when it's finished, it's actually behind skin. That's how you know a prophecy is fulfilled. God doesn't need, as Brother Adam said so many times, God does not need anybody to interpret his word. It interprets itself. We're coming up on a season of the birth of the Savior of the whole world. Theologians argued for seven centuries over what Isaiah meant. A virgin shall conceive. They all had their idea. And when he came and fulfilled it, that the manifestation was the interpretation. So God interpreted it, and because, as so often is the case, because that man-made religion, the interpretation they had didn't, man- didn't match the manifestation God did, they didn't see it, and they rejected it. That's the danger of today. All right, Revelation chapter 22. I just want to read um, um, just a quick couple of verses in Revelation chapter 22, verses 16 and 17. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star and the spirit and the bride say come and let him that heareth say come And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word today, and we're asking special graces on the hearer, the speaker and the hearer. Lord, uh, in this present audience and those streaming across the internet, Lord, Father, we and those who may hear it at a later time on an archive, and we're asking special, <clears throat> special graces for Sister Amy King. We're asking that you would t- lay your hand upon her and touch her, Lord. Rebuke this infectious evil spirit trying to harm our sister. We hold her up in prayer, Lord. We offer prayer for Brother Doug and Sister Chastity and the children, that you'd be with them on the road. Keep them safe, Lord, at every hour. Those families traveling, Brother J.D. and his family traveling, different ones, perhaps others, perhaps. Lord, we're asking for your mercy upon them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, friends. You can be seated. So if you will just bear with me and be patient, um, I, I, I want to go through this methodically and I'm, I'm not seeking so much to lay a foundation other than to make a couple of comments that I think 
can bring you up to speed rapidly on where my mind and my heart is on this title, Modern Events of 2022 Made Clear in Prophecy. That's the only way to make sense of the day and hour that we live in is to understand it in the light of prophecy. Now, I want to make this statement, and this is kind of a qualifying statement that will help you get on board quickly. My title is not a prepared news story about headlines. That's not the modern events I'm here to report on today. There's there's lots we could do, you understand. Uh, That's fine to do that did that to a degree and by a certain measure and he would talk about certain events showing up and but but if you'll notice that when a prophet did that it was it was only ever to correlate it with prophecy he would say here's an event this is what it said would happen you're watching it happen so when a prophet is preaching this sermon originally, he was letting the people, and this is a big point, he was letting the people understand prophecy is popping around you right now. You're actually living in the vision of God. So, so this is important, especially for our youth, because when you're young, you just, life is just forever and you're young and you don't have hardly a care and you don't even have enough training in life yet to have a care. And uh, mom and dad have taken care of you for so long and you're just now starting to get, get your feet wet in the real world and learn that life ain't always fair. <laughs> amen. Parents ought to say amen so their kids hear them. And, and so, so we find that, that, this, that this is an important point for you to understand that, that, the, that this, these are not just stories. This is not a book of philosophy. This is a book that chronicles the history and the acts of God in history. And it foretells and forecasts or prophesies his actions all through history all the way down to the end time. Now, we believe we're here, and I'm here to tell you there are, there are prophetic statements in this book that correlate directly to, the, to today when your feet hit the floor, you were living prophecy. Now, I'm going to make that clear because, you know, it's, uh, it's what we're, when we say modern events of 2022, it, we're, we're trying to emphasize today modern spiritual events. What is God doing? What do we see in the natural world, whether you want to talk about politics or education, or science or, or uh, you know, uh, the, the, the theological debates that go on, the social issues, um, economic issues. Uh, Brother Matt was talking about some of that today. <clears throat> and in fact, is he was, he was actually what, if you caught that, Brother Matt was demonstrating in his, in his adult class, to adult Sunday school class, that events, you know, in the natural have their greatest importance in the spiritual. What you see happening, and this is why that a prophet would always say the natural types the spiritual, not the other way around, because the antitype is the, is the positive. The type is only a shadow. You say, well, what I see happening in the headlines don't look much like a shadow. It looks pretty real and tangible. Listen, the earth you walk on is real and tangible, but it's a shadow compared to the reality it's going to be. My... So I think you're, you're starting to flow with me. I can feel it. Now, 
So, so the events I'm reporting on today couldn't be more modern because they're happening right now. <laughs> Say it again. The events I'm reporting on today, I want your mindset to be that. The events I'm reporting on today could not be more modern because they're happening in real time. <clears throat> a knowledge of what life is actually, not the shallow pursuit of stuff, mind you, is that, is that there is a kingdom that is coming, that in, in a certain way is already here, that the kingdom of God, which is coming, is already operating within you. You say the kingdom of God is coming to the earth. You are earth. Amen. So it's it, the, the part of the earth that's your body, the Holy Spirit living inside you, it's already here. Amen. See? So Brother Brandon would make the statement that the, that, the, that the church, that the bride of Christ is the blood of God by the Spirit. That's a, whoa, man, that is an astonishing statement. The audacity that some people would say, who does this guy think he is? The, the church is the blood of God by the Spirit. Right. Now, this is deductive reasoning done right. When a prophet does it, it comes out correct. Because his, his, he's deducing that, that the new birth comes by the Spirit of God living inside you. That's the new birth. Amen. And so when the spirit is in you, God's life is in you. Amen. And, and, therefore, and since life is in the blood, then the prophet says, if the life of God is in me and life is in the blood and I'm born again of the spirit, then by the spirit, I am the blood of God. So there's a kingdom that's setting up and it's, it's actually upon us already. And when it comes to its full fruition, I don't normally do this. I was talking to Sister Debbie about it today. I said, I'm gonna feel awkward to take this off, but I got my work cut out for me today. Brother Howard Carroll used to say two things you can't do in a coat. One is fight and the other is work. And since preaching is both... <laughs> so there's a kingdom that's setting in. I want to say that. It's setting in upon us already. And it's a kingdom as it's coming that it's on a trajectory to literally trivialize every man-made pursuit in history. And you say, Brother Jason, that's pretty incredible because there's been some pretty impressive things happen in history. And I want to say to you that the only ones that count are the ones that worked in God's will to further his purposes. His purpose in redemption. Any, only, the only history that has any relevance eternally speak. I'm not saying history didn't have an impact. 
When, when Columbus sailed the, the blue in 1492, there's lots of impact on that. I'm not talking about there's not been history that has impact. I'm talking about the only thing that has eternal value is when God was working out his plan of redemption. And therefore, the kingdom that's coming is literally going to trivialize every bit of the history of mankind covering 6,000 years. And so, you know, I mean, listen, God doesn't even chronicle the daily lives. Here's how much God thinks about history outside of that which is servicing his will. Because lots of men have done lots of things, had nothing to do with the will of God. They ran on their own. Tyrants ran on their own. They're paying for it today. Yeah. Kings and monarchs did that, and they're paying for it today. Pharaoh is paying for that. Yeah. And, and, and the Bible says, the Bible actually prophesied his descent into the pit. And how that he came down and sunk down into the pit and all the other people in the cells, because that's what hell is. It's a place where you're bound over for trial. And you, don't, you can't bail out. You don't bail, pay bail and get out of this one. Your, your bail is denied by the judge and you're bound over for trial. Amen. And how they said to him, finally, you've come to Pharaoh. Take your place in the wall with all of us. Hell is a very real place. But God doesn't even chronicle the daily lives of his own family in their earthly journey. I mean, look, we know David killed a lion, but we have no idea what he did the day before. I know he killed a bear, but I don't know what he ate for lunch the next day. See? So, I mean, John says that even all the acts of Jesus while he was here on earth are not even written down. What God did write down, what God did record was himself working out his own will through people. That's what this book is about. It's God working out his will through people. And, and I'm here to tell you, the elements that refer to today, I'd like to be those people. That's why I'm a believer. That's why I'm a Christian. I want to be the people that are fulfilling his prophecy. See, for those who say, preacher, this whole Jesus thing, this whole Christianity thing, this whole Bible thing, man, it just isn't for me. No worries. I got a place for you to park. No, no problem. No worries. Say, oh, you know, Brother Jason, as a preacher, should you really be saying no worries? Well, prophet did. He tells about in the message, is your life worthy of the gospel? A woman came to him there in Grants Pass and Catholic girl, all arrogant, and said, hey, I want to talk to you. Brother, I said, cigarette in her hand. He said, what do you want to say? She said, I got a question about this religion of yours. And she just, you know, this religion of yours. He said, what is it you want to ask? She said, by what authority do you do this? I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, by a divine call. And she went ahead smarting off, and I said, just a minute. She, and she interrupted him said, if I had to associate with that bunch of ignoramuses up there, she said, I wouldn't even want to be a Christian. I said, and, 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 and say that them people will rule earth someday? said, I hope I'm not here. Brother Ram said, I said, don't worry, you won't be. <laughs> he said, you, you don't, if, if that's all you've got to worry, you don't have to worry about that. She said, oh, all that carrying on and screaming. 
And, and Brother Branham said, aren't you a Catholic? Yeah, what does that have to do with it? said, well, the Virgin Mary screamed and shouted on the day of Pentecost. She said, that's nonsense. And he said, let me turn right to my Bible. She said, we don't read the Bible. The church tells us what he says. He says, the church is one thing, but this is God's word. And he said, and he read her the, the account of the, of the, in the book of Acts, that how the Holy Spirit fell and they shout and scream and spoke in tongues and Mary was among them. See? And he says, Mary was with them up there in that upper room and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost like the rest of them did. And you call her the mother of God and call that and call this a bunch of backwash and a bunch of trash. I said, don't worry, you won't be there. You don't have much to worry about if that's all you got to worry about. You better worry about your own sinful soul, girl. And he said, and I let her go. The gospel is only for believers. The gospel is only for believers. But for any who, who don't want it, then here, here's where you can park. Human philosophy. Science and education. That can be your religion. Cosmologists, the people who study the cosmos, they made, I read a statement here said, and, and they're, they're trying to, you know, trying to quantify and qualify what life is. And they're, they're going about it in a way that left me scratching my head. They're trying to get people to, you know, be responsible and feel grateful that you're alive. And here's how they go about it, all right? The cosmologist, even with all their depressing talk about the eventual heat death of the cosmos, because that's what they say, eventually we're going to, you know, the sun's going to burn out, it's going to run out of hydrogen, going to go into a vacuum and everything, and we're all going to die a horrible death. But don't worry, it's billions of years from now. <laughs> that might be fine for us, but what about the people billions of years from now? See? He said, even with all their depressing talk, about the eventual heat death of the cosmos, they offer some comfort. Y'all ready? Here's some comfort. If you don't want the gospel, here's you some comfort. They point out that we live in the briefest window, a fraction of a fraction of the unimaginable vastness of deep time in which it is physically possible for life to even exist. So we inhabit or are chosen to inhabit an astounding privilege, privileged instant in the lifespan of the universe. Don't you feel lucky? You know, we began with the consideration of the ages-old question about the true meaning of life, a knowledge of what life is actually is, and why it's so important why is it so important that the Bible teaches that we should value it, that we should seek it, and that we should choose it? Choose life, the Bible says. Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call, I call, this is God, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. How many want to live? How many want your offspring to live? Then choose life. If you have a, a choice, then it means you could choose otherwise. You say, nobody would do that. Almost everybody is doing that. 
So we'll find out this morning as we go along that the cherry on the top of your life, something actually even better, if you can imagine, something actually better than your biological life by itself is if it is crowned by the loving kindness of God. The proper understanding of life, uh, how it came to be, the purpose of it all, at least as far as eternity is concerned, because that's the real question. How, what, what is so important about it as far as eternity is concerned? This is one of the most valuable revelations you can actually achieve because in this revelation, you actually be able to see yourself and your position in the economy of God. What could be more important than that? To share in the existence of God himself in a kingdom that will never pass away. You, somebody tell me what's more important than that. To share in the existence of God. Think about that. To, to, to literally share in the existence of God himself and live in a kingdom of his making that will never pass away. Uh, and a kingdom, not only will it not ever pass away, it'll never stop increasing. Our future is bright, friends. I say it all the time. Our future is bright. My, I certainly think that's a a fate much better than some cosmic ending, don't you? Where we're told that somehow we should be grateful that we have some privileged instant of existence. You know, he, he, he redeemed me in an instant down on my knees. But as far as my life is concerned, it'll never end. My, my life in his kingdom will never end. I thought about the other day, I was thinking about thoughts, and I, I, I just wrote this on, on my notes, thinking in the new heavens and the new earth. I'm not talking about thinking about them. I'm talking about when you're there, and you're there thinking. <laughs> I thought about this, seeing things in perspective, realizing what was working all along, And that God was never troubled. And why was I so worried? (laughs) I love these kind of thoughts. Thoughts on the other side in my mind will be something like, it was always going to come to this. When I see you on the other side, Brother Kenny, I was so enjoying that song you sung this morning. And I thought, we're going to sit around the throne. We're going to sit around the great pools. We're going to sit by the tree of life. And and we're going to say, man, why were we ever worried about? Wow. It was always going to come to this. You know, if we can stop laughing and rolling around on the ground. The trials of life that you know as well as me aren't worth mentioning. Once you're there, Paul said it won't even be worth mentioning. And you know what? You know one of the things that I'm going to realize on the other side? Every trial I ever had and every up and every down and every in and every out and every failure and every success was to get me here. That's a thought on the other side. When I'm looking back in the used to be, Chris, (laughs) I'm going to realize Everything that ever happened, oh, I'm going to laugh at the devil then. Everything that ever happened. Listen, friend, as I said to you in a sermon or two the other, other week, that Abra- all of Abraham's ups and downs placed him in that tent door. It was all of Moses' ups and downs. It was his failures that brought him to a burning bush. 
Oh my, this is why, this is why even blasphemy that Paul committed could not disqualify him. Even blasphemy. See? Because the bottom line is that there is nothing that could separate Paul from the love of God that was in Christ, not when he became a Christian, but before the foundation of the world. See? And 1 Thessalonians 5 explains why that is, because we're children of the day, we're not of the night. We've preached on that. 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Y'all know I started late. So everybody just sit tight for a little while. I was about to went into vapor lock and looked at that clock. But I remember I started late. Amen. We were, we were rejoicing with the Smith family. Amen. So y'all keep, let's keep it going. So, but the natural man, 1 Corinthians 2, 14, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So we found out in, in part two, when we preached on this part two, that this revelation that God would bring to us about his kingdom, which is an event happening as we live and breathe. Amen. You're living in kingdom time. Brother Branham declared that in the seventh seal. He said the kingdom of, of God is coming as it has been. It's already when that angel descended. Let me tell you something, friend. The kingdom clock was moving. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, my you're an event on the way to an event. He's coming back for those 144,000. He's got to exodus you out of here first. Yeah. Hallelujah. We found out that the revelation of this kingdom is what would restore shalom to the bride. It's what would give her peace. It's what it, this covenant angel that has descended among us, that's the one who come to give us peace to realize that God's got it in control. And I'm not up here today to chronicle your history. All I can tell you is God's got it all in control and he's always been in control. He's never not been in control. And so let us say shalom, bride. It's going to be okay. Say you don't know what's happening. It doesn't matter. It's going to be okay. Do I, am I controlling this uh, up here? Is this little guy working or no? Okay. It might work for me. It won't? Let's see. You're right as usual, Matt. <clears throat> All right, Bubs, you ready for me? Brother Branham comes in the message. Let's start with our first uh, slide here, the faith of Abraham. 1959, April 1959, Brother Branham said, whosoever is born of the Spirit of God is God's. And you're come in by the promise through the covenant God made to Abraham. Now, I, I, I hope that you really absorb what's being said here. That you, you come in through the, through the covenant God made to Abraham. His promise that he would send Christ. And if you're in Christ... You're part of that covenant. Amen. So now, this is why a covenant angel, you're going to find out here in a few minutes. This is why this covenant angel is among us now. Yes. 
It's not just the, it's, it, it, it's the same God that dwelt above Israel and the same God that walked the shores of Galilee. It's the same being, the same person that came down in an upper room. But I'm here to tell you now, he's come into this age and there's some unique things about this age and about what he's up to. And one of the things he's up to is finally at last, at long last, he's here to fulfill his covenant. He's here to finish it. You have come in because of that covenant. Not how good you are, how bad you are, how smart you are, how handsome you are. You're in because of a covenant God made to a man. Almost 4,000 years ago. More than actually, now that I think about it. So he goes on. Next slide. And the promises... You say, now here's what you say, I'm not worthy. Neither was Abraham. Neither was Abraham. Nobody's worthy. I'm going to give you all something fun to do. You ready? We're going to say nobody's worthy. Ready? One, two, three. Nobody's worthy. Amen? So anybody on their high horse, just say to yourself, nobody's worthy. See? nobody's worthy because there's where the devil beats us up. But I, I came not worthy. I've never been worthy. It's not about me. You're going to find that out. Watch. You say, I'm not worthy. Neither was Abraham. Nobody's worthy. It ain't how worthy you are. It's what God promised you. Everybody, next slide, everybody's always looking at their self. Why you can't look at yourself and get anywhere? See? Next slide. You're finished to begin with. Next. Oh, go back. Go forward. That shouldn't go. There we go. You're a failure to start with. I'm glad to hear three or four people. You're finished to begin with. You're a failure to start with. Next up. There's nothing you can do to begin with. There's nothing. Nothing to you. There's not. Ain't nothing to you to begin with. Next. It's what God made you is what you are. Shalom. Shalom. This is a covenant angel. This is what the covenant angel came to to ensure in your heart. You're going to need rapturing faith. So he sends a rapturing word, smears it heavy with rapturing grace, and hands it to you like a piece of buttered toast and says, eat this. Because you're going to need to have faith. I don't have any faith in me. That's great. Have faith in him, the covenant angel. This is a kingdom coming into play. I'm here to tell you God's thought of everything. By the time I get done, you're not going to find any way to, to kick yourself out or disqualify yourself. See? So it's, it's, it's what God made you is what you are. So, so not, not to me. 
in me. It's what God made you, not to you, but in you. It's a gene representation inside of me that I was never good enough to get and I could never be bad enough to lose. It's a representation before the world was ever built. See? So he, he's saying, just stay right there, Dubs. He's saying that you were those things to start with, see? You say, wow, I mean, goodness, this prophet is insulting me. You're finished to begin with. You're a failure to start with. Didn't you love it? How, how many wanted to come to church today to hear your pastor look you in the eye and say, you're nothing to begin with? You're finished to start with. You're a failure to start with. See? Say, oh, that, that, that prophet, you know, he, he's insulting me, is he? Are you sure? What he's saying is, is that you were those things to start with. You were those things in your past. A prophet is saying to you, a prophet is saying to you, a prophet is saying to you, you're not those things anymore. You're not those things anymore. My, yeah, I started that way. I was a stinker for sure. But you're not that way anymore. Why? Because you received a covenant promise. Hallelujah. Prophet is declaring that you're not what you used to be. You know, I'm not so sure the world is convinced of that about me. And I'm not sure even I always feel convinced But a prophet isn't declaring what the world thinks or what you think or what I think. He's not declaring about all your shortcomings and your failures. It's not about your feelings. It's what God thinks about you. See, the devil is good. He's a master of psychology. You can't take him on in those realms of intellectualism. That's why you need a revelation. That's why I started out by saying there's nothing to to have greater than revelation of what life actually is. See, because the devil will place a thought in your head. He might be trying to do it right now. And, and he, because, because listen, he's got the video replay of all your weaknesses and all your stumblings. And he, he's actually might be right now trying to make you think that it's your thought. I'm not worthy. I can't make it. Uh, how, I mean, what is, I, I thought to myself, Lord, this is so amazing. But I thought to myself, how can an all-knowing God lie to himself about me? And, and that's a thought from the enemy who might be trying to get you to think it's your thought. How can God, I, nobody in here knows what I'm guilty of. How can God lie to himself about me? God is not lying about me. He's not looking at me. He's looking at Christ crediting it to me. Hallelujah. Next slide, Dubs. Under the old covenant, let me keep up with myself here. Under the old covenant, I love this story. What if a little mule would be born out in the pasture? You like that Kentucky word, born? Born out in the pasture some night and 
When that little mule was born, he'd turn around and his mammy would look at him and his ears would be flopped down. You know what a flop-eared mule is? Being a farmer, that mule's no good. He's cross-eyed. See? You just, you just go break his neck and kill him. He's worthless. He'll, he'll eat food you can't eat. You don't even need to feed him. See? A farmer knows that. Next slide. His knees, his knees knocked together. <laughs> his tail sticks straight up in the air. He's the horriblest thing, horriblest looking sight you ever seen. That little fellow could look around to his mammy and say, well, I won't be able to live, no sir, because as soon as the master comes out here, he'll knock me in the head because I ain't worth nothing. Next. That's just about like every one of us. But his mother, well instructed in the word of God, she'd say, wait a minute, honey. No, no, you are born under a birthright. When the man of the house comes out, he will go to the pasture and hunt the most perfect lamb he's got. Next, the high priest will never see you. He will see the lamb. He won't examine you. He will examine the lamb. Because you're born under a birthright, the lamb has to die for you. Now, you look at Jesus and find fault in, any fault in him. Don't look at yourself. Look at him. Don't look at who you are. 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 Look at who he is. Next, then you'll be getting close to divine healing. Search your sacrifice over. If you can find any fault in that, well, that's different than you have a right to disbelieve. But there's no fault in him. God don't look at you. He looked at your sacrifice. Shalom. These, these are the principles and the realities and the covenants that the covenant angel that, that same angel made the covenant to Abraham and he's here today to enforce it. I'm here to tell you the devil can't get you because a covenant angel is present. You have a token over your home. You have a token over your family and it has jurisdiction because a covenant angel has descended in our day. I love this next line. Next up. There was a perfect one died for us faltry ones. Boy, word kept kicking that back to me. Dictionary.com, faltry, faltry. What in the world? You mean faulty? No, faltry. There was a perfect one died for us faltry ones. See, faulty is just for those with few faults, but I have so many, I needed an extra letter in there. <laughs> I know that's not the King's English, but I'll stick with Kentucky English on this one. Why? Because scholars could never tell me what a prophet is telling me. Hallelujah. Next, next, Noah. Well, that little mule. Uh, uh, that's not right. Uh, oh, yeah. We, here, did you, you're right. You're right, Noah. We who are disfigured and immoral and ugly. And I love this next word because there's nothing outside of it and everything. But he, you faltry ones now, you faltry ones, see, he took the perfect one and looked him over. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He was the sacrifice. God accepted him. So ours is finished. 
Next line. All we have to do is walk in grace. What do I have to do, Brother Jason? Walk in grace. Hearing, receiving, and acting. What are you doing? I'm acting on the word. I'm, what are you doing? I'm walking in grace. You don't, you're probably not very worthy. You're not wrong, but I'm walking in grace. Say, you think you're going to get into heaven? Yeah, me and all these other faltry ones, we're all getting in. Because we heard, we recognized, we received, and we're willing to act upon the word of God. Hallelujah. Next slide. Well, that little mule could just kick up them, them little heels and knock them little knock knees together and nicker and go all over the field because he's free. He don't have to die. You notice he's still got his knock knees. I'm not saying you look much better than you did two minutes ago. I'm simply saying it don't matter. You might, you might still have your knock knees. You might still have your weaknesses. You might still, until you get out of this flesh someday, we're going to have to battle our memory. We're going to have to battle our weaknesses. We're going to have to battle our, our like passions like Elijah. But I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter because he wasn't looking at you. He was looking at your sacrifice. This is a modern event made clear in 2022. A lamb died for him. He's perfectly safe. Don't have to fear about dying. The lamb died for him. You don't have to fear about what you are. It's what he was. He was the one who died for you. Next. Then you find fault in him then I'll tell you why you can't be healed. See, because people find fault in the word. They argue against it and wonder why they can't get their prayers answered. They try to reason God's word and they won't just obey it. And then they wonder, why don't I have any power with God? Stop reasoning. Believe on him whom God hath sent. Believe what God has sent in this day. A covenant angel came down to confirm that prophet was a real one and he was a true one and the message is accurate. And, and signs and wonders will follow that faith. And the power of God will get behind that faith. Amen, Brother Jack. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, it'll, it'll reach out into the ethereal and take an impossible situation and rearrange the whole thing and leave everybody astonished. It'll send Brother Jack to work on a house of an attorney who just happens to know through a friend connected to the woman trying to come after Brother Jack immorally over, over money that she, she knows good and well. Brother Jack is completely innocent and everybody in that county knows Brother Jack. And this high-priced, highfalutin lawyer, you know what he told? He told his buddy, he said, you tell her she might as well fold it up, forget it, and go home. Ain't nobody gonna come after Jack Guest. Everybody around here knows the testimony of Jack Guest. Amen? That's God defending his family. That's decades of following the ways of the word. That's decades of testifying what God has done. That's decades of believing in a covenant. 
Hallelujah. Amen. See, then you find fault in him. I'll tell you why you can't get healed. But when you find no fault in your sacrifice, God has accepted that sacrifice. And when he accepts the sacrifice, he accepts your confession in that sacrifice. And you become a part of it. A part of what? The covenant. The covenant that he made with Abraham. See, my, but you know, Pastor Jason, I, I really do have many flaws and I, I really do make many mistakes, but there's no fault in him. God don't look at you. He looked at your sacrifice. There was a perfect one died for us faltry ones. Is the next slide blank, Noah? No? Okay, that's fine. <clears throat> I thought I had a blank one in there. Oh, you're right. Go to, go to the next one. I feel religious now because I know I didn't have a chance to begin with. But I didn't look at myself. I looked at the sacrifice that was offered for me. It was perfect, and God already accepted it. So then I'm, I'm all right now. When I see what he did, what he is, it isn't me, it's him. It isn't you, it's him. Amen. Friends, if you don't get nothing else out of this service today, hear the covenant angel saying to you, it ain't you, it's him. It ain't you, it's him. It ain't you, it's him. The covenant ain't based on you. It wasn't based on Abraham. It's based on God. It's based on God's purpose in redemption. He said, I have chosen you, Abraham. And I'm not telling you if you will this and I will that. He said, I'm just here to tell you I've already done it. You're going to be the father of nations. Now watch. Last, last one here before we hit a blank slide. And, and you'll never receive the Holy Ghost in the fullness. You'll never walk in the Spirit of God until you totally separate your things from unbelief. Get away from the world. Come out of the world. See, this grace isn't disgrace. This isn't just name it, claim it. This isn't just, you know, just believe, easy believism. This is actually something that comes inside of you. You say, well, now, okay, now we're back to my ups and downs and failures again. No, I'm talking about God has already taken care of all of that. But, it, but if you want to know if it's really taken care of, if you really want to know if the covenant angel has assured it to you, if you, do you have shalom personally? You have it if you know that inside your heart you love God and you love his word and you hate sin and you don't want failure. You might have it, but you don't want it because why something changed me I'm not trying to be a name it Christian I'm trying to be a real one I think I have a I think I have a, a blank one now right Noah yeah go to that and just hold right there see the inherent weakness in all of us faltry ones is to believe God's word and God's decision regarding ourselves. Come on. That's it. Let's just look each other in the eye and just admit that. That's really the problem. I'm a faltry one. And I'm, I'm, more of a fault, I'm far more of a faltry one by not believing what I've just heard and read. I'm far more faltry not believing that than I am committing some transgression. I'm way more faltry by not believing the covenant. Amen. That God, is, that it's not even upon me. I, I repent. We, first John says this. Um, 
Noah, take it down. Can you go to Scripture and then we'll put it back up? All right, take it down and, and go to Scripture. First John 1, 7 to 10. Everybody still good? First John 1, 7 to 10. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But here's the beautiful part. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many have ever experienced that? I have experienced that more times than I'd like to admit. I probably better raise up both hands. I have experienced that, friends. He is faithful and just. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us, see? So the, the idea is to get you off your high horse and stop saying you're holier than thou. Stop saying you're perfect, see? Because you, you, know, you, know, what's just as, you know what's just as bad as, as a self-righteous person saying I'm perfect? The polar opposite to say I just can't believe God's word about me. One is just as bad as the other. And so he's using contrast to try to get you to say, look, don't say you don't have sin, but understand we have an advocate. And if you'll confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us. First John chapter two, go right on into the second chapter there, Noah. Verse one and two, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Chapter three, verse eight and nine. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why the covenant angel's here. If he can just get you to believe it. See? Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin. Because he is born of God. So I might commit a transgression of which I have an advocate that I can confess it and he's faithful and just to forgive me. But I have a representation, a gene of God done inside me that predates my earthly existence, predates my failures, it predates everything, it predates Lucifer, it predates everything. Hallelujah. See, this is why I was saying the other night, True repentance is the key to life. I have some other statements. I want to read you from different messages, but I'm only going to put one of them up, a final last quote. I'm going to just refer to you this one. God doesn't call a man to judgment without first warning him. January, July 24, 1963, he says, if no repentance, then judgment is sure to come. See, Hezekiah repented. See, Nineveh repented. Ahab never repented. Nebuchadnezzar never repented. The people in Noah's time never repent. And the judgments swept right on, see? Now, but he first warns everybody. Everybody gets a warning. 
Now, seeing the time is at hand. Now, I didn't put these up on purpose because I wanted to read them slow and I want to read them for effect and I want you to absorb. See, now, seeing the time is at hand, let everyone that feels that there is a warning repent quickly before the wrath of God strikes. I was showing my wife a news article Brother Donnie put in the minister's chat early this morning that scientists are now all in, all, all in a massive agreement. All have concluded that the West Coast, that a, that a major, major natural destruction is imminent. And they said even San Francisco alone, and I haven't even read the whole article yet. I only got down to the, about the first paragraph, and they're just talking about Northern Cal. And they said what is awaiting San Francisco alone is an event many times the magnitude of many nuclear bombs. And a prophet said, Los Angeles, you're doomed. God is going to sink Hollywood and put her beneath the ocean. And it'll come all the way back, a, a chunk of land 1,500 miles long and 350 miles in all the way back to the Salton Sea will break off, sink, and slide beneath the sea in the tribulation period. And now, you know, science is not just saying, they were saying back in the 60s, not a matter of if but when. But now, this newest, latest article, it's on Yahoo News, they were, they're saying, no, this, this you don't realize, this, this is happening soon. So if you hear that, see, but, but watch, he says, so, so he comes to this. Let me, let me, let me give you this. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to move quickly. Old Brother Dow, y'all remember old Brother Dow? Past 90 when Brother Branham led him to the Lord. He comes to Brother Branham one day, and he's just troubled. He's a faltry one, and he's having a hard time believing some of the hard things you're having a hard time believing because we're faltry. And we, we know our own weaknesses. Know thyself. I wish I didn't. <laughs> Speaking to Brother Dow, Brother Dow come to him with this question. He says, Brother Branham, you know, do I, I, I just need to be sure. And he says, no, I said, in this case, I'm giving it a soul examination, see. And God for the soul only has one instrument. That's right. That's his word. That's his word. And Jesus said in St. John 5, 24, he that heareth my word now, that here doesn't, doesn't mean just to listen at a noise. That here means to receive it. Hearing, receiving, acting. Amen. Hearing, recognizing, acting on the word of God. Here means to receive it. Who can receive my word? Amen. He that hears it. Don't stand still and say, oh, nonsense. Them things, there's nothing to it. I don't believe that. It's he that hears my word, uh-huh. That's the word of Jesus, which he is the word. There you are. He's talking to an old man in his 90s. He says, if you can hear my word and believe on him that sent me, he's passed from death to life and shall not even come into the judgment, but has already passed from it. Amen. I said, how's your heart beating right now? That old man said, I believe it, I have heard it, I have received it. 
I said, then according to the head specialist, the chief operator, the chief doctor of eternal life says, you've passed from death to life and shall never come into the condemnation. Psalms 14, Noah. <clears throat> Still good? I'm moving along as quickly as I can. Psalms 14, 1. <clears throat> We're going to think about these philosophers. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable work. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there was any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? They were, there were they in great fear for God is in the generation of the righteous. Ye have shamed the counsel of the poor because the Lord is his refuge. All, David says, all that salvation of Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord bringeth the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. Now this is part of the kingdom prophecy. This is, you remember on the Mount of Olives when Jesus is about to ascend and they go up there and they say, Lord, will you now restore Israel? Okay, we, okay, we really kind of messed it up. We didn't realize you had to die. Okay, we get it. Now, road to Emmaus, we understand. You met us in the room. You rebuked Thomas. Okay, we've been by the seaside. We know it's you. Okay, 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 okay. We get it. We got it. Now, are you going to restore Israel? And Jesus says, it's not even for you to know. Don't even ask me that question. Said that, that don't you worry. David's prayer is going to come to pass. See, but first you're going to go into Jerusalem and tarry and wait to be endued with power because I got something for you to do, see. In other words, Jesus is saying to them, you're going to be a part of this prophecy. You're going to help facilitate it. How many want to help facilitate the word of God? You see, the intent of Psalms 14, <coughs> writes one uh, commentator, is to counter the temptation. So this is a real temptation in humanity, all right? David writes Psalms 14 and, and one commentator writes about how that this is to counter the temptation that humankind, and boy is this ever true, that humankind, you know, can manage the world in ways better than Jehovah can. Mankind has thought that for millennia and he's done nothing but, but genocide and war and famine and pestilence and killing and cheating and stabbing and, and all kinds of horrible things that human, humans do to humans. But he can run it better than God, see? So because the alternative as far as the ungodly are concerned, here's what the ungodly want to do. They, they have it in their mind to reorder life. Now we've spent a little bit of time talking about what life is actually, see? And that, that revelation, as I said, is the greatest revelation you can have because it shows you who you are and your position, your place in the prophecy to bring God's kingdom to pass. So you're here working with the covenant angel. Yes, amen. You got me? Amen. 
But man in his fallen state is always wanting to reorder life, see? And David, what David is guaranteeing that, hey, life will not be so easily reorganized as you think it will. Because God's purposes are not going to be undone. And so you're kicking against the pricks. You're trying to reorder everything outside of the will of God. It's not going to work. Stop, drop, and roll. Because you can't reorder God's purposes. See, God's will endures. And so David says, oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion. When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob, here's the kingdom. Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. So David yearned for the establishment of the Lord's kingdom. And that wasn't unusual. The son of David had the same feeling. You can find it in Matthew 6, 10, where he's in a prayer. They're saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. And one of the first things that he wants, that's a desire of his heart, and he wants to project it into their hearts is to pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus yearned for it too. Thy will be done in earth. Bring the earth like the vision of heaven. Hallelujah. Thy kingdom come. This is what we yearn for, isn't it, friends? He taught us to pray. There's nothing wrong with praying that. Thy kingdom come. That's why Revelation 22, 20, he which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. John's response and our response is even so. What he said, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, even so, even so what? Come quickly. Hallelujah, Jesus and John. And we say, I say with David, I say with Jesus, I say with John, even so come, even so come. Hallelujah. The kingdom coming, listen now. I'm gonna make my turn for home. The kingdom coming is associated with restoration to perfection. You're coming back to Genesis. That's what everything has been about. This long trajectory of redemption all the way back. It circles back around on itself and brings the last day bride back to where the fall to set the kingdom in its rightly position that fell by sin in the garden. To bring the kingdom, to restore the kingdom, that's you and me, to its rightly position. See? And so watch what he says. So, 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 so now, in order to do that, listen to this statement. In order to do that, in order to bring restoration back to perfection, this would require the total complete annihilation of anything against them. He could never get Genesis back until he first come as a covenant angel in this day and dismissed every weakness and failure and doubt and anything that's against you is completely struck off by your faith in the bleeding word. That's why the covenant angel descended in Revelation 10. He's coming to to make redemption claim, see. It's amazing. He says in, in Romans 11, 
26 and 27. And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is, catch it, this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away, you reading that with me? When I shall take away their sins. You're in the hour where he's removing all claims of the enemy, dismissing all charges, canceling all evidence. You're completely exonerated. Your whole entire record is expunged in the courtroom of heaven and can never be brought to, uh, to bear against you again. That's what this covenant angel come to establish the kingdom. Israel political longed for his kingdom too, but in the very end, you know, uh, the problem that, you know what the problem political Israel had is their view of the kingdom and how it was going to be ordered was different than when Jesus come to order it. Because when he came, he told that, in, that, that unless they actually came by the water and the spirit, they could never enter into his kingdom. He told them they had to be born again. Now, that was a problem for them because if that were to happen, then that would undermine their lofty position among the people. You understand? Because, because they loved their power and they loved their seat of authority. They loved wearing long robes and praying long prayers in public and being called rabbi. They were so opposed to his system that they crucified him. They even introduced false witnesses into his trial. I'm here to tell you that spirit is still alive today. It's still alive today. They're still crucifying the word with false witnesses. That was political Israel. That was denominational Judaism. You see why we flee denominationalism? You see why the mark of the beast says it leads you to the mark of the beast? The, the, the book of Revelation says it leads you to the mark of the beast? See, that was political Israel. That was denominational Judah. They, Judaism, they hated him. Organized religion always does. See, but spiritual Israel, she's loved him for 2,000 years. How many spiritual Israelites we got in here today? She's loved him for 2,000 years. I'm gonna tell you something, friends. Paul promised a great reward for those who love his appearing. And when he appeared, I fell in love. Oh, my. I look around at organized religion. I say, nothing doing that ain't for me. I want the real thing. I don't want dehydrated Christianity just to add water. No, sir, I want the real thing. Hallelujah. And now all the 144,000 are filling the pool. Do you understand that? They're calling for his return. And we're calling for his return. Come, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Bring on your kingdom because the kingdom, as I've said, is associated with restoration to perfection and this would require the total annihilation of anything against his family. I find myself longing for that more than streets of gold. I find myself wanting purity, perfect flawless purity in everything I do and everything I think and everything I say every purpose I have I want streets of gold are fine I'll love them when I get there see my reflection in perfect gold but I'm here to tell you something friends I want a purity of life I want a purity of mind that's how I know that I've loved his appearing because that's what his appearing came to do was to give you that 
Zephaniah, look at this kingdom prophecy, chapter 3, verses 14 to 16. See, this is the, this is the kingdom restored. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Now, Zion in the Bible is always the bride. Amen. You know that? Yeah, prophet taught us that. It's always the bride. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all the heart. O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He hath cast out thine enemy. The king of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil any more. His coming was always about establishing a kingdom of saints in the earth. That's what the book of Genesis was all about. That's what the Garden of Eden was all about, see? And that's what he, but, but you know what happened? Sin entered and man fell. So the kingdom returns for the purpose of establishing the millennium, but first it must deal with sin. It's got to deal. That's why when the seventh seal opened and a prophet says the kingdom is coming as it had been, the, the sin question was being settled forever. A bride was being re recreated back to her virgin condition. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand today. You're under the covenant. This is a modern event made clear in prophecy. You're being recreated back to your virgin condition. He says here in the future home, 16 minutes. I'll stop. 16 minutes. I'll stop. Future home. Listen now. See, you were made for an eternal purpose. Did you know that? I, I don't care what you feel like. I don't care what's happened to you. I'm talking about what you were made for. And he's restoring what you were made for. You were made for an eternal purpose because you was in the manifestation of an you was the manifestation of an attribute that was in God. That thought of you and expressed you, and He made an earth to take you out of and to make you a human being. Isn't that easy? Isn't that simple? Well, He says, sin come along and perverted His way. You come anyhow. See, nature just kept working. Parents kept procreating. You come anyhow. See, you come anyhow, but you was lost with the world. So he come and redeemed you, the express attribute, and also redeems this earth by the same way. Then his purpose rolls on. Oh, see, friends, sin marred his picture, but not his plan. Sin, I've been marred plenty of times, but his plan is still rolling. And I'm still a part of it. Nothing could stop him from redeeming me. I wish today you could just raise up your hands and let the devil hear it. There's nothing that could stop him from redeeming me. There was nothing that could stop him from redeeming me. Nothing at all. When you look in the book of Micah, we're not going to turn to it, Noah, but you can go home and read it in chapter 7, 18 to 20. There's, that's actually the passage that contains the idea of a sea of forgetfulness. That's the root, that's the root Old Testament shadow where Brother Brandon would talk about a sea of God's forgetfulness, a sea of God's forgetfulness. And he goes, he goes, I'm going to, I'm going to cut to the chase here. 
So he said, and I, 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 I have other quotes, but I'm not, not going to read. I'm going to try to read, get down to that very last one uh, that we're going to read, and then we're going to let you go. So he starts talking about the sea of God's forgetfulness and about the Zoe life that's in you, and it's a part of you. He kept saying it, you're a part of God. We become a part of God, things that are to be, saying on the same thing. See, just like Adam and Eve worked and lived and eat and enjoyed in the Garden of Eden before sin came in, we're on our road right back there again. See, the first Adam through sin taking us out, the second Adam through righteousness brings us back in again, justifies us, brings us back in. He says in investments now, uh, watch this. Let me see if that's the one I have. Um, yes, it is, Noah. Let's go back. and I'm going I'm to read these, and, we're, and this is where we're going to stop. Watch. Um, I got one before that. <clears throat> yeah. Notice. Notice when this, your sins are confessed, and your sins are dropped into the bleach of the blood of the Son of God. It remits sin so much that it puts it in the sea of God's forgetfulness. And can never be remembered in his sight anymore. Then what? That does that does that make a man? A son of God. What does it make a man? A son of God. God never remembers you to be a sinner. Man. God never remembers you to be a sinner. You're a son. You're a daughter. There's no more remembrance of sin at all. Everybody say, at all. Next one, Noah, last slide. There's no more remembrance of it at all. God puts it in the sea of forgetfulness, the bleach. The sea of forgetfulness is Christ's blood that was shed for you. And therefore then you and God are father and son by Jesus Christ's grace. Not by anything you've done, but by his grace. You are sons and daughters of God and a partaker of his blessings and of his power and of his life. His life is in you for you are a son of God. So all of my sins, that's it, Dubs, that's it. All of my sins are cast into the sea of God's forgetfulness. It's amazing. I was telling you, I think Wednesday, that most theologians think that it's not that God forgets it because God can't lose anything. That's their reasoning. It says but what, it, what it is, is is God just chooses not to, for, not to remember. But when you go back and read Micah, you, you don't find it that way. When you come and read a prophet, that's not how you find it. When we read our scriptures in, in Zephaniah, when we read it th- these other places, you find that he's taking away all the evil, all the sin. It's gone. It's not put in a, in a, in a locked box. It's gone. The only one that can annihilate anything is the creator. He can uncreate it. Hallelujah. One of these days he's going to uncreate the devil. I'm so glad. See? So all my sins are cast in the sea of God's forgetfulness. Now, it's not a place you can go visit. If you could, I'll post a sign there, no fishing. But it's not a place you can go visit. There's no GPS coordinate Theologians don't believe that God forgets my sin. See, they just believe he chooses not to remember it. But if that was the case, then my sin would still exist. And eventually somebody's got to pay for it. 
But he doesn't just put it in a locked box somewhere. I'm here to tell you something, friends. The sea of God's forgetfulness is a sea of non-existence. You just believe it that way. The sea of God's forgetfulness is not a GPS location, not a place you can go visit. It's a sea of God's forget. It's for God's forgetfulness. It's a sea of non-existence. Everything that's in it doesn't exist. Oh my, hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, there, there might be multiverse. They talk about multiverse all the time. If there's a multiverse, it has had, it's had many versions of my life that don't exist anymore. Hallelujah. I don't know what all is out there, but I know if it exists, it's got versions of my life that don't exist anymore. Why? Because they're all now in the sea of non-existence. Glory to God. I, now I have a better understanding. Now I have a better understanding or at least a greater appreciation for a prophet saying, one day when our flesh changes, that word and he will become what we had never dreamed possible. I'm part of that word. I'm part of he. I'm in that. He and that word, just like the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. It's Christ and his bride. He, where when our flesh changes, that word and he will become what we never dreamed possible. The king and queen will be what we never dreamed possible. You, listen, friends, I'll stand there on that day and I'll realize, I was talking to you earlier about thoughts on the other side. I'm going to realize that what I have become on the other side is something I never dreamed possible that's where you are today friends that is modern events made of 2022 made clear in prophecy it's happening now it's all around you it's working on your life can I say to you today let it let this mind which was in Christ be in you. Don't leave here today with your mind. It's no good. It'll keep you awake tonight. Won't let you sleep. Give you anxiety. Let this mind which was in Christ once and for all and for all time be in you. Say, I have received his appearing. I've loved his appearing. I believe the covenant angel, he, he came down to confirm his covenant. I'm being restored. I'm being recreated back to my virgin condition. Oh, let's stand up, all you born again, redeemed, perfect, beautiful people. Oh, my, I'm going to give you the right to say something without pride. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm perfect. Amen. Do you know I'm perfect? That's right. So are you. Do you know I'm perfect? Shake the hand of a perfect man. Perfect man. Glad to meet you, perfect lady. Amen. Hallelujah. Here comes another perfect man. Perfect from one perfect man to another. God bless you. Amen. One perfect dude to another. God bless you. God bless you, son. You're, you're extra perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Sister Ruth, you too. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Oh, Brother Tony. Everybody in church thinks you're perfect. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. No, they do, Sister Amber, for real. No, I mean, no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh, my, 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 my. I'm going to need a Jubilee. Amen. You got Jubilee? Hey, no, 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 no. I know the song I want. That, no, no. 
I ain't Sister Brenda. I want you to sing that song that she sings that you sing, and you sing the verses with it. Amen. Our favorite one. You sing it here a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that favorite one. Okay, let's sing it. It's already done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the one. Let's sing it. Have a jubilee now before we go. It's already done. It's already. It's already done. It's already. The covenant angels already here. Victory is won. The battle is over. It's already done. Oh, it's already done. Oh, hallelujah. It's already done. The battle is over, it's already done. If you believe in Listen. God's total victory. Listen to these words now. And the answer don't seem nigh. Just look on to the hills. Take God at his word. Oh, yeah.
The victory is won. The battle is over. It's already done. You got another verse? Listen to when this now. your confession of faith is a wavering. Come on. And doubt is bombarding your mind. Think about it. Just speak. It is written. Just like Jesus said, the angels of the Lord is right on time. Say, it's already done. Oh, hallelujah. It's already done. Praise the Lord. The victory is won. The battle is over. One more time. It's already done. One more time. We'll let you go right here. It's already done. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night or midweek. The victory is won. The battle is over. It's already done. One more time, say it's already done. It's already done. The victory the battle is over. It's already done. Say, oh, it's already done. It's already done. One more time. Victory is won. The battle is over. It's already done.
Where 